Uh, they have been here before. They came over way back for, if anybody remembers, our uh, Isaiah 58, Explore 58 conference and uh, with Dave Workman. And so Dave is Rachel's daddy. So good, good friends of ours. And they are planting a church. Okay. Yeah. They are planting a church. And if you cheer really, they, well, they haven't decided yet where they're planting the church, so I thought we'd help them out this morning. So if you believe it's to be in the United States of America, <laughs> and um, you could just give a cheer or a clap. <laughs> if however you feel it's in Ireland somewhere, then feel free to clap and cheer. So. I'd take that as a sign from the Lord. I would <laughs> pack up my bags. Sort your kid out with the school, and uh, let's make it happen. So what happens usually here um, when we go about a series, conversations, uh, sermons, writing, thinking, what usually happens is a very simple task. Uh, we, Michelle and I meet together quite often. <laughs> and uh, so, oh, by the way, if you're new to the vineyard, my name's Jason, if I've never met before. Um, so glad that you've come this morning. And uh, if you're up for it, we're going to hang around straight after the celebration just for a coffee, tea. We'd love you to stay about and just introduce yourself. It's as simple as that. So anyway, back to the series. Um, we are, when we do a series, we, we, we pray separate and then we come together. We talk and then we just sort of say, Father, what are you talking to us about? What do, you, what do we need to know? What is it that you're speaking over us as a community, over as a church? Um, to us as individuals, what do we need to hear? What does people on a black seat need to hear on a Sunday morning at this time of year, in this season of their life? And the Holy Spirit usually comes. He's very kind that way. He's a good friend. He comes and he speaks to us. And then we meet with the staff and senior leadership team. And then we say, hey, this is what we feel the Lord saying. What do you feel? And then we have a conversation around that. And then we form what we call a series. And that's how Anchors got started. We really felt the Lord saying, there's some things that we need to bed down. There's some things that we need to be sure of, in a, as Jesus said, in a world of shifting sands, in a culture where truth is uh, nearly obsolete and people are afraid of it. What is it we're about? Who are we? When push comes to shove, what are we about? Both individually and corporately as a community of faith. So this is a great day to be about Vineyard Church Dungannon. So we want to take it to just the next part of that series. So within the series, just to let you know, Anchors is not just one long continuation. We're not going to be talking about Anchors um, and trying to make that happen every week. But we're going to talk about different things that the Lord wants us to, to put down. Different things that the Lord wants to highlight among us. And also not just highlight for us to practice and engage with and live our daily, ordinary lives with. And so this next part of the series, I've stolen it. It's a quote from a guy that you've probably heard before. The quote goes like this here. Receive the Holy Spirit. And the person that voiced those words was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In John chapter 20. Let's read there. So if you want to turn to scripture, this is a good time to get your phone out. Do stay off Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, sports, flash scores, green black. And anybody else? And we'll turn to the scripture. So John chapter 20. And we're reading from verse 9. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, 
with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. This is just after Jesus had been crucified. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I bet they were. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So here at Vineyard Church in Ghana, we're familiar with the middle line of the text, right? The middle line of, of the Bible wasn't written in chapters and numbers. It was just written as it is. Letters and words. There was no chapter or number. So it just flowed right. But what's helpful for us is we do have chapters. So for us to look up and stay together in chapter, in verse 21. It's the Father sent me. That's the middle line. It's the Father sent me. I am sending you. So no doubt you mightn't be familiar with the text, but you are familiar with this in practice. We are mission-centric here in Vineyard Church, Dungana. And most theologians will tell you, all theologians will tell you, this text is mission-centric. It's a theology of mission. It's all centered around mission. So as a family of faith here in Dungannon, this text, this one line in the middle, has sent us near, here, and far. Because of this one line here in the middle, it's caused us to get up and do things like outward focus Christmas, right? This line, as the Father has sent me, as God has sent Jesus, as, as Jesus has sent us in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's caused us to go to northern France to, to go to work among refugees. It's caused us to go to India. It's caused us to go to, um, out into our streets and our communities to give a day to Dungana. It's caused us to go out and give chocolate bars and water and uh, whatever else, Easter eggs at Easter. It's caused us to leave the building and be a missional community, to live among the community we live in. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. We know that text of Scripture, so it's here, near and far. It's in there, France, Uganda, and recently, Moigashal if you were out last Sunday night. So, but here's the thing, and this is so important that we learn this in this series, and this, this, today is an introduction to the Holy Spirit. If we choose to discard the line before and the line after, what do you think happens? If we just head out as a mission center from here and try and change the world without the peace of God and without the breath of the Holy Spirit, if we just choose to do the middle line without the the pre-line or the post-line, then what happens is that we get fatigued. We get tired. Have you ever tried to do the stuff without the Holy Spirit, without the breath of God in your life? You just get tired. You'll get fatigued. Church will soon become normal for you. Coming up to a service like this, walking in, the songs just become songs without the breath of God in your life. The presence of God becomes numb to us if we just become mission-centric without Spirit, without Holy Spirit in our lives. And worst case scenario, not just do we become fatigued in doing good, but a worst case scenario, we fail. Without His breath, without His best ideas, without His dreams over us, without the Spirit of God living in us, then what happens is that we get exhausted, we get tired, and again, worst case scenario, we fail. We feel so it's important. Peace. That word peace is shalom. It's more than just the, 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 the absence of fear in our lives. It's actually about the abundance of God in our lives. It's a shalom of God. It's a Hebrew word. It's to be emotionally healthy is the language we would use around here. That's why we want to teach you practices. That's why we gather around our homes on a weekly basis in community groups where we break bread together, where we eat a meal together, where the meal is the central part of the conversation. That's not something that Michelle and I have decided to do for, for the crack of it or just to have another 
program in your life. No, it's so that we actually receive the peace of God in our lives. We understand the shalom of God. We are emotionally healthy people. And that's the reason we set up our community groups. Does that make sense? You see the need for it. You see the why for it. So we need the peace of God in our hearts so that we can be mission-centric. And then more than anything else, we need the peace, the shalom of God, but we need Holy Spirit. We need the breath of God in our lives. We need Him to breathe on us, to, to be with us, so that we can usher in this beautiful kingdom of heaven here, near, and far. So good, right? So do you understand that we cannot just do the middle line? Do you understand the importance of the shalom of God and the spirit of God so that we become the people of God doing the things of God here, near, and far? Without it, we fail. So grab a Bible again, open up your phones, your tablets, click, swipe, open, do whatever you need to do. We're going to the first book of ancient scriptures, to the first book in the library, to the book of Genesis. And this morning, again, it's an introduction to receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to stay on this journey for quite a while. Let me pray as we're doing that. Holy Spirit, would you come? You're so welcome in this place, in this space. Would you rest among us? Would you have your way? Come, Holy Spirit. We are expectant. We are just needing you in our lives. Would you come and fill our hearts? The crevices of our soul today, would you saturate them with your presence, Holy Spirit? God, we don't want to be people that are just good idea people, that are enthusiastic people, but we want your shalom. We want your peace to be around us and about us. We want to be emotionally healthy people. We want the breath of God in our church, in our lives, in our families, in our streets, in every sphere where we go tomorrow morning. God, we want Holy Spirit with us to transform and to change atmospheres we've sang about this morning. Would you come? You're so welcome. Would you break in? I'm so reminded again, the early church, when they prayed with one voice, and the place where they were gathered was shaken. Father, would you shake even the physical foundations of these walls today? God, would you do it again? We love to hear the sound of Scripture in our streets and in our communities. Let it be so in our time here. Shake, shake this room, shake our hearts and our souls so that we would go with boldness, stretch out our hands and see healing deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was what? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So it's image it's picture image here, and most theologians, most people tell you that what they see, or what do you see? What do you see? What do you picture? Did I just give it away? What do you picture in that when it talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters? What comes to your mind's eye? Just, there's no right or wrong in this. Go for it. What do you see? Your fog, yeah. But what, 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 how do you see the Holy Spirit? How do you picture him? Hmm? Don't be afraid. Like a bird, anybody see a bird? Like brooding over the waters? That's the imagery that most people will see in, most, in our mind's eye. It's, and uh, that's the language of scripture. It's actually a picture, a uh, word picture. And it's like this eagle or this bird. And then we, you'll find in the Old Testament, we, or New Testament, we go to dove. But in here, this is like an eagle brooding over creation. 
brooding over eggs, something that's going to become life, something that's going to happen, something that's going to transform and be apparent very soon. So this is that the Spirit of God, or Ruach, which just means breath or wind of God. He wants to breathe into the atmosphere, into life. So we have this word image, and, and that's a common metaphor here. This water and Holy Spirit is common throughout ancient scriptures. The most common metaphor for Holy Spirit to describe him and his engagement with the world and with us is through water. So are you okay with that? If you're okay with that, then this term, we're going to go again to the first prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44, verses 1 to 5. I want to encourage you, please open up scriptures, whether it's on a phone or um, it's in paper or tablet. It's good to get used to opening scripture to read it for yourself, that your mind sees it, that your eye sees it, that it gets into your heart. And it's just a good practice. Okay, are we there? Yeah? Isaiah 44 says this. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. And here he is, the prophet Isaiah. He's speaking to people in a desert who know what thirst is every day, who know what dry looks like every day. For I will pour out water on a thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit, the ruach, the wound, the breath of God on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So it's future tense. Here's this, this prophet. He's dreaming. He's seeing and vision what God is going to do. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, and they will take the name Israel. Again, written in a desert place, written in a, di- a dry place. People who know what daily thirst looks like and feels like. And this is, what this, this is what the prophet's saying. He says, I'm going to turn the land into Ireland. Where it rains a lot. You have known dryness. Now you're going to know what the people of Ireland live in. Isn't it kind? Such prophetic ushering of this beautiful land. So he's dreaming of a day when God will put out his spirit like water on thirsty and dry lands. And it's not just a trickle, but it's an abundance. Actually, the land will be soaked up with the presence of God. Okay, so what happens here is from Genesis to Isaiah, there's a lot of Bible, right? But there's very little mention of my friend Holy Spirit. And it would seem that he, we know that he is in there. He's about. He's always been. He's been in the beginning. He will be in the end. He's with us at all time. His flesh, we know now because we can fast forward. We've read most of the book. And we know that he's poured out in all flesh. We'll get there just in a moment or two. But it seems like he's in the background. He's in the shadows. And what happens is he usually comes out every now and then. And it usually happens on a big occasion. So when there's a prophet being ordained or a king being anointed, Holy Spirit is mentioned through the anointing, through water, through oil. There's variations of that, and, or maybe just sometimes he'll come on on one prophet, and he'll prophesy, and that's through the power and presence of Holy Spirit. But from Genesis to Isaiah, where there's a lot of Bible, he's in the background, and he's slowly coming out. And this is one moment where Isaiah brings him out. Okay, let's go to another book. It's to the right of Isaiah, Joel chapter 2. Fissle, fissle, fissle. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Go to your index. Let's find Joel chapter 2, 28 to 30. It says this, this is the day of the Lord. This is a prophetic uh, announcement. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit, Ruach, on all people. 
Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see, see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. So the prophets, they keep coming back to this, this wonderful theme. And the theme is that one day, simply this, this is my message this morning, that God will pour out his spirit to everyone, everywhere, like water. Refreshing water. Living water. So you ready for the New Testament? I'm tired. You're not excited to turn the book? Here we go. You ready for Jesus? Okay. So let's go to the New Testament. John chapter 4. Let me read. You're going to have to find it somewhere because I don't think I've put this on PowerPoint. So find a Bible. Open your phone. Open your tablet. Now he had gone to Samaria. 4, 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. He had gone to Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. A little sectarianism there. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, You'd have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you've nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming to the water. It's a brilliant story, isn't it? But here's my problem with the story. Jesus doesn't tell us where the living water is. He just describes this water. He says it's great and it's, you know, it's going to bring you life. And the woman's like, Amen. Give me this water so I don't have to keep coming. She's just being really practical. There's nothing spiritual in her line. Which she's, just, just like, she's like saying, free water every day so I don't have to come back. Yeah? I don't have to walk back here every day carrying this bucket, get this downloaded, raise it up, and dander back every day. All she's saying is, where do you get free water that you don't have to walk to the well and get it every day? So we know, we know that we're going to find the answer. So we turn the pages of John's Gospel, chapter 7. We've got to stay in the story to find out where the water is. So stay in the story. John chapter 7, 37 to 40. What's happening here is there's a party going on. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And each day during the Feast of Tabernacles, what happens is water is in a gold vessel. It's ceremonially carried in a procession from the pool of Siloam to the temple. So the, the, the well's at the bottom of the hill. The priest goes down, he's got this, this golden bowl, whoops, he's got this golden bowl, and then he goes down, draws the water, and up the street they go, and there's a sound of ancient scripture being heard. People are singing 
from Isaiah 13.3. They're reciting that. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Right? This is all prophetic. And they're gathered there, hoping. They gather here every year for this seven-day festival. They live in tents before Glastonbury or anything else happened. Here they are having their own festival. There's eating and there's drinking. It's happening every day. And during this part of the day, the priest goes down to the bottom, gathers up the water. They go up. And every time they gather on this occasion, they're half and some mostly expecting that this could be the moment the Messiah shows up. This could be the very time. So we read this with different eyes this morning, knowing that. With joy, you will draw water from the springs. And trumpets sound, sound of music, psalms are sung, and people give thanks for the rain. People giving thanks for the rain. And the rain reminded them of their journey in Egypt, coming out of the waters and God's goodness in the desert place with manna and water and provision. And not only that, and I've just already told you about it, they're not just looking back, but they are mostly looking forward. When will he come again? When will he set us free? When will the Messiah bring the spiritual exodus, the political exodus? When will the kingdom come so that we can be emancipated from this tyranny of Rome? When will we find the true Messiah? When will he walk among us? When will he pour out rain on this thirsty and dry land. Our hearts are hoping for him. Our hearts are dry and we are secretly hurting and hoping that Messiah will come. Could this be the moment? And on the last day of the feast, it was the big one. It was the crescendo. It was the special closing ceremony. I'm going to break my neck on this here thing. So let me just go forward. If we're recording this, cut that piece out. And so, um, yeah, so in the last day, it's the closing ceremony. So what would happen in that day is that, not like most things here, like, you know, something goes on for seven days. It's like the last day. It just windles down. There's a few people knocking around. But on this last day, thousands and thousands of people gather. And it is the big day. It is the moment that they've all been waiting for. And what happens in the closing ceremony, thousands gather, and even more water is poured on the altar of the temple. More water is poured on the altar of the temple. And then we come to the ancient scriptures, John 7, 37 to 39. And it says this, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus, he stands, it says he stood, and he said in a loud voice, he says in a loud voice, because there's thousands of people at the ceremony, he, he, he's making this announcement. Many scholars believe that this proclamation right now, what he's just about to say is the, is the very moment when the last day of the ceremony, when the priest lifts the golden bowl and he pours it out on the altar. And then we hear the voice of Jesus saying this here. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Wow. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, whoever believes in me, Living water will flow. Living water will flow from within them. How cool is that? How cool is that? Jesus is saying, this is the moment. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Your ancestors talked about it. Your granny and your granddad talked about it. We told stories about it. The ceremony you've been coming to it as a kid. Now you're an adult and you're a male and you have your children. This is the moment. Jesus is saying, this is the moment. Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. He's like the living water. When I say, what Isaiah and Joel talked about. 
when they started to dream. This is what they're talking about. This is the reality. The Thursday will have so much, he's saying, that it will spill. It will spill over and onto your streets. In my mind, when I was writing this in the shed quarters, there was like a, wow. There was like a, aha, the penny is dropped. Let me say it again. As the priest pours out the water, as the crowds are large, as he raises his voice to speak over thousands and thousands of people, with the anticipation, could this be the moment? Could this be the Messiah? He's telling us that this is the moment that the Holy Spirit is being poured out like living water, and it's poured out in such abundance that it overflows onto our streets. Okay, you got it. I'm trusting that. I've got a question for you this morning then as we lean into this series. Simple, simple question. Are you thirsty? This is not an analogy, I'm just thirsty. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Honestly, are you thirsty for more? Many of us could say probably, well, Jason, I've been following Jesus for a while now. I'm on the journey. I'm starting to read my Bible. I pray. I've been coming to the prayer room. I've been engaging in community groups. I've been doing the practices. It's great, but I'm dry. Do you ever get that? There has to be more. There, there there has to be more for my life. We're doing the practices. See, that's why it's so important that without the, the post line and the, without the pre line and the post line that it all gets tired and it all gets dried. Mission without spirit. Mission without emotionally healthy people is fatigue and at worst, failure. And so you may be here this morning and you're saying, I'm on this journey. I've known Jesus for 10 years, 40 years, one hour, four days. I don't know. But I'm dry. There's a thirst for more. It feels like there's something more. And we know there's a gap. Often we feel a gap. Do you ever feel a gap? Uh, let's just talk honest this morning. A lot of us, we've all got here different ways. Some of us have traveled here via traditional church. We've brought up in church with our parents. And uh, some of us have had different teachings. But we've, we've gathered here at the vineyard. And you've heard a different sound. Not the best sound. But just a different sound. Okay? Is that fair enough? It's just how we do church. And you've heard us speak and preach and talk about doing the stuff. Praying for the sick, feeding the poor, casting out demons, bringing the lonely into families. You've heard that, right? But somehow, and maybe some, for some of us, it feels like there's a gap. And sometimes, often, it feels like there's a gap for me too. There's a gap where we read about the miracles of Jesus, the signs and the wonders. We, we read about how the disciples were compelled by this glorious gospel that many of them lived... Uh, ended up martyred because of the cause and because it was so compelling. The gospel of the kingdom is so compelling. We are not here to persuade. Jesus must compel you. The sound of his voice must compel you. The kingdom of heaven must be the most compelling thing in your life. That's why somebody, when they had it, he sold everything that was in the field so he could have the treasure. And that was the kingdom of heaven. It is a compelling gospel. It's the kindness of Jesus in our lives. Read about Paul and Peter, men and women in the church and church history. For the sake of the kingdom, they would do whatever it took to live this compelling gospel. Oh, I would to God that he would come again, refresh our hearts, and do something within us so that the gospel of Jesus Christ was so compelling 
that we didn't do church as an add-on. The church was part of our lives. The community groups was something that we ran because we wanted to be in unity and in fellowship with one another. That we couldn't wait for a Monday morning to get into our places of work so that we would hear the voice of God speaking into situations that only he could speak into. Where we could lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Where we had, where we had wisdom for complexities in our world that's ever-changing and ever-shifting. That we knew the truth of God because we had the Spirit of God living in us. And we were compelled even to lay down our lives for this one and only gospel of the kingdom. Billy Graham, general in the faith. Did I ever tell you about singing in the Billy Graham choir? We'll save that for another day. I am your real Forrest Gump. (laughs) Billy Graham traveled the world, spoke to thousands and millions of people. So he can rightly say, everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. There's a gap. They are hungry for something. The Christian experience is not all that they expected. Let's just be honest. Is that ever your story? Like you got into this thing. You said yes to Jesus. You started following him. You fell in love with him. You got excited. And that has nothing to do with just people say, oh, that's just, that's just new enthusiasm. No, that's the Spirit of God entering a person's life for the first time. That's what that is. So never dumb it down to just new enthusiasm. And then someday we all get wiser, we all get smarter, and we all get more boring. <laughs> and safe. And we call it wisdom. No, no, no. It's called apathy. He said the Christian experience is not all that they expected. And, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Again, postpart. The pre-part and the post-part. We need the shalom of God and we need the breath, the ruach, and the wind of God to be mission-centric. Billy Graham understood that. Reoccurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need, listen to this, the most desperate need, Billy Graham, the most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus Christ be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Smart man. Billy was saying, you know what's missing? Simply being filled with the Holy Spirit. The wind of God. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Vineyard, receive the Holy Spirit. So again, we all ended up here different ways. But recipients of gospel grace, most of us, right? We traveled via church. Some of us traveled in no church at all, which is quite refreshing. Actually, you have no baggage and you have nothing to hang your hat on. You just actually, you're just into this. You've met Jesus. He's changed your life. And you're like, okay, what's next? Let's turn the pages of scripture. And hopefully you're saying me too as you read the scriptures. So, but some of you are hearing this teaching about Holy Spirit. And, and to be honest, when, when we talk about Holy Spirit, you're like kind of nervous. Anybody like that? I'll clo- Everybody close their eyes. There's nobody looking but me. Anybody get nervous when we talk about Holy Spirit? No? Everybody's sitting on their hands. And you're like, oh, this, this, this. I mean, I've enjoyed Vineyard up until now. Is it going to get weird over the next few weeks? <laughs> will people fall down? You know, what will happen? Will they be shaking? You know, you're like thinking Toronto and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, no. So good for my kids. They were doing so well here. And in others, you're just like, about time. About time, Jason. Let's do it. Let's get the, let's bring our sufars, what do they call them? 
You ever been to, you haven't been to a real Pentecostal meeting until you've seen somebody come with it. Most of the people have that can't play that. But all of a sudden, they found Jesus and they've become musicians overnight. <laughs> Let me give you a prophetic word. It does not happen like that. He pours out gifts to men. Jesus will never make me a DIY person. I have friends for that. You're like, flags. Oh. I've always wanted flags at the front of church. <laughs> I've got a tambourine, just needs a little dusting. A wee WD-40. Mark Glenn, he's like, he's like, he's like, I can't wait for next week. <laughs> Louise, where do you get those tambourines? Let's get two, we'll put our initials on them. a word to the wise, please do not bring flags or tambourines next week. All right, I'm being serious. No flags, no tambourines. Bring yourself, bring your enthusiasm, bring your open hearts. But here, listen, 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 listen. There's a common denominator, whether we're nervous or wanting more. There's this common denominator, I'm sure of it, all of us. All of us, all of us want more of God. All of us need the water of life. Regardless of our tradition, regardless if you've been thinking and taught that the Holy Spirit stays in the shadows and we keep him in the shadows till the creed comes out, till the prayer comes out. For those of us who are fully engaged and love the things and immersed in the things of the Spirit, God is more for us. All of us here at Vineyard Church, Dungana. And indeed, Dungana. There's more for us, I'm convinced. I've tasted it. I've seen it. I know it to be true. None of this is new. None of this is a new conversation. None of this is a brand new conversation for Vineyard Church, Dungana. We talk about Holy Spirit. We sing about Holy Spirit. We welcome Holy Spirit. But there's more for all of us to engage with. There's more for all of us to receive. We want to be emotionally healthy and we want to be filled with the Spirit of God so we can be mission-centric, yeah. don't we? We know there's more. Our streets need it. Our schools need it. Our community needs it. Our politicians need it. Our businesses need it. We need the breath of God. We need the ruach of God, the wind of God to revive us as a church and as a people so that when we come into contact with people that we just spill with the presence of God. And God does his stuff. It's a wonderful thing. I remember walking into the vineyard years ago in 1999. The presence of God was the one thing that was marked with. Skinny guy, red Bible back, back pocket. Small girl on keyboard. Pool table, 30 people. Presence of Jesus thick. And when he began to talk, and he used the analogy, he said that most of us as well, let's, it's kind of February and it's hard to go here, but let's just go with it. Picture yourself walking on the beach, right? And we all do it in different ways, right? I hate sand. <laughs> sand and sandwiches? No. Do you have, I have a recollection of that. You know, you're biting into the corned beef sandwich with a brown sauce on it. 
and you get a wee bit of crunch and it's sand. So I'm not a fan of sand. So for me now, it's when we go to the beach, I'll sit in the car and look at all the people having fun. And then some of us get out, we walk a beach, right? But there's no way we're going near that water, right? For loving our money, right? It'd take you a week to warm up after it's living here. As your body goes from white to blue to red. And back again. Some of us are just, just want to walk in the water. Huh? And you get that nervous thing where it hits your ankles. Feels worse, doesn't it? And then if you have a kid and they go in further and you're like, should I let them drown or should I go in after them? Because <laughs> it's that tension, isn't it, of what I do in a, in a moment like this. Usually Michelle goes in and gets them. <laughs> and then you get the crazies. They just run into the sea and get immersed in it. But all of us need to experience. I think it's time for us as a church to stop walking, even get out of our cars and our comfort zones, whatever that looks like for you. Just paddle a little bit more. Allow the water to refresh and to, to bring life. And to experience, I want to say that word intentionally and deliberately, to experience the Holy Spirit. Simon Ponsby, a great friend of Vineyard, theologian who comes out of Oxford, bright guy, he wrote in this brilliant book, which I'd recommend to you throughout this series, called More. He says, I purposely emphasize the word experience, and I will seek to show from Scripture the importance of experience. He says this, a non-experimental religion is suspect, for it fails to deal with the totality of our being. It's suspect. It's suspect if it's just there for mental assent, there's suspect about it. The Holy Spirit, he's a gift of experience. We're coming into land. The Holy Spirit is a gift of experience. For many of us, the Holy Spirit has been reduced to a creed, unfortunately, regardless, maybe just because of our upbringing of church where he's been in the shadows. Many people are taught that if you give mental assent to, to principles or a creed, then that's all you need to do. Keep them in the shadows. Keep them in the background. Just say the prayer, I believe in God the Father. I believe in the Holy I believe in His Son, His only begotten Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the virgin birth. Ascent, mental ascent, mental ascent. Do you believe in the Trinity? Yes, check. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes, check. Do you believe he rose again on the third day and he sits at the right hand of the Father? Yes, check. And we take on the creeds. And like Billy Graham says, we wonder why our lives are not changing. We wonder why we're so desperately seeking more. We wonder why when we're trying this stuff, it's not happening for us. We're wondering why we're so emotionally overwhelmed. We're wondering why we're so dry. We're wondering why we're not seeing change in our communities, in our world, in our towns, in our families, in the places and spaces that we live out, our everyday ordinary. We're wondering why this is not happening for me. We're wondering why I'm getting bored with this. We're wondering why I'm walking in on the third song and I don't really care anymore for the presence of Jesus. We're wondering why I've given up up on some things. We're wondering why I don't want him longer engage in community because we need the presence of Holy Spirit. He is an experience. He is a person, not just to be believed, but a person to be received. That's what Holy Spirit is. Not just some mental ascent. And he isn't a thing. In fact, when Jesus was going back to the Father, 
he made a very important statement. Just the simplicity of Jesus' words. He said, when he comes, not it, not creed, when he comes. So what are you going to do with he, him? What are we going to do with him? You have to experience the Holy Spirit. That's why he's living water. That's why he's refreshing. That's why when Joel writes to thousands and thousands of anticipating people, he said the Spirit will be poured out, poured out like drink, like water. That's why Isaiah's writing the first Messianic prophet. He writes to the world that he lives in in a dry, parched desert and said, one day he is going to be poured out in a dry land, so much so that everything's going to get soaked up with the presence of God. Let me read, finish off with this text of Scripture again. Because it's so good. In fact, put everything down. Let's not get distracted. Put down your Bibles, your phones, your pens, your notes. You've got enough to live on. And you can re-listen again online. Let me read the text of Scripture. It's just, it's just brilliant. Brilliant. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus... He stood up and he said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, as Joel has said, as Isaiah has said, as the prophets have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Vineyard, this is not a prescription. This is an invitation. This is an invitation. And the scripture tells us three things we do. Anyone who believes, that's the easy part. Many of us believe in Holy Spirit, the Ruach, the wind of God. We've read about him, he who was in the beginning, who hovered over the waters, the breath of God creating. So that's our belief system. But the second part you need to engage with, come. Come. How do we Come. Walk into his presence, we open our hearts, we say, God, have your way. And then we drink. How do you drink? How do you drink? Well, that's his job, because he fills us. Our job is to believe and to come. The job of the Spirit of God to the open heart, to the open mind, and to the willing soul, is that he would come and pour out his presence on us like living water and fill us up. And that's the drinking of the Holy Spirit. It's a drinking of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to practice that right now. It's a community. It's an invitation. Do you want to come? Are you thirsty? Do you need more? Let's do that now as a church. Let's, let's believe. Let's, let's learn to lean into Jesus again and again. That's what believing is. Believing is more than a set of rituals, concepts, or just mind. It's actually leaning your life into the person of Christ. That's what it means to believe. And that next step is that we're going to pray as a community. So the band come up. I'm going to lead us in this one. So here's how it usually works, okay? When we pray, what usually happens is somebody prays and somebody listens to the prayer. And then after the prayer, they say amen. But this morning, we're going to do Pentecostal time prayer. Are you up for that? For many of you, this is your last Sunday with us, isn't it? <laughs> now, all I have to say is, you're, we're all going to pray together. 
Just one voice. And you're thinking, this is weird. No, it's not weird. Right 